Queen's Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Singleton. And as a child of the 80s, I'd love to say queens rule, but they don't. Queens lead. Being a queen means you are worthy to be a leader of people. The guests on our show do exactly that. They are leading the way in their businesses, families, and communities. They're taking their rightful place in the spotlight, leading and inspiring the developing queens in all of us. Welcome to the Queen's Lead Podcast. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Queen's Lead Podcast. Today, I am so honored to be joined by Maria Nadapov. She is the owner of Synergistic Step Parenting. Welcome, Maria. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. I'm so excited for this conversation. It's such a treat. Me too. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure lots of my guests are step parents or maybe come one one day. So I can't wait to hear about how we can do that better and more synergistically. I love that word as well. It's <laughs> so intentional, so intentional because the better we all are, the better we all do and all those around Absolutely. us. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about who Maria is. Yeah. So hmm, I guess I'll just start with my story. I'll, I'll try yeah. to keep it brief. So I was an immigrant when I was eight years old. I came from Moscow, Russia, very different culture, like polar opposite, I would say to America. And, uh, I don't think I realized it at the time, but I've since distilled that, you know, the, the way I was brought up, the culture was kids are seen and not heard. The elders are the ones who have all the wisdom and kids basically know nothing. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah. And, um, you know, and also, uh, just to be quiet, just to be quiet and obey, right. Follow Mm -hmm. the rules, obey, keep your head down. And so what not so different than a childhood in the Bible belt, (laughs) just saying (laughs) in the eighties, seventies or eighties. (laughs) <laughs> right. Perhaps. But I guess I was thinking I grew up on the um, East coast. So I guess I'm comparing it more to, you know, yeah. that kind of approach. So in my experience and purely my experience, I know there's a lot of varied stories out there. I guess, you know, my understanding is like kids are raised to be autonomous in America. They're raised to like parents at least want to try to hear what the kids are saying and they want yeah. them to develop their voice and, and kind of follow, you know, their heart. So, mm-hmm. um, so what I realized is essentially as a child, I was severed th- from my voice. Right. And mm. to me, the way that also equated is I was severed from my truth. Like I mm. wasn't even listening for it myself because it was so much external influence of like, do this and right, like all these different orders, so to speak to follow. Yeah. And probably not surprising. So again, my parents also were immigrants. I mean, they had no clue. Yeah. Everything you could imagine was different, not only culture, but language and um, literally everything. So they weren't in a position to help me navigate the change. And on top of that, I was, you know, coming into my own and developing into like, you know, an adult, I guess. Um, And so I had to seek support for that from outside of my family. And what I ended up finding was I'm really grateful for this person for taking me under their wing, but it was an emotionally and physically abusive relationship and Mm -hmm. it lasted for 16 years. And I think that just further highlighted for me, kind of the things I was coming into that relationship with that kind of brought me there that were already Mm -hmm. issues. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I can say is this person, you know, it wasn't malicious. I, I know them really well. I know their family really well. I can tell that they, you know, we're just doing the best they could with what they had. They acquired survival skills and they were just navigating with what they had available to them. 
This was um, your first romantic relationship. This was my first. Yep. He ended up being my husband. Okay. Um, yeah. My first like love <laughs> first. everything. Yeah. And I think one of the other challenges for me in recognizing that there were issues on top of being extremely, extremely coddled and naive. And you know, the way I also was raised by my grandparents, because my dad left and my mom felt the ownership of like, I need to get a career and provide for my family. So mm-hmm. I didn't see very much of her during that time as she was mm-hmm. establishing that, which were my formative years. And so the way they dealt with that is they're like, we're just going to keep her occupied and in the house locked up kind of like Rapunzel. <laughs> so, <laughs> so naturally that didn't help for me to learn how to navigate and identify, right? Like possibly red flags and like which relationships are maybe better to stay away from, et cetera. So, mm-hmm. um, so I was, you know, fortunate of course to, to survive. And I think the biggest thing that really helped me in that journey was recognizing, like, I know that relationships are work, but this felt particularly hard. And mm-hmm. because I was also fortunate in that situation, oftentimes from other women I've spoken with in similar, who went through similar things, mm-hmm. um, they would say, you know, oftentimes they were like, uh, sort of isolated because they were like the housewife and kept in that mm-hmm. role. And it was the, the perpetrator who was out in the world. And in my yeah. situation, it was the opposite. So I was the one working. And so I had access to these other things. And I think what I realized is through these extra experiences, I found my own power. I found my own ability So even though I didn't have it, but, and it became, you know, affirmation for me, like, oh, I have something to offer and I have skills that I can acquire. And so I think that planted the seed that then generalized to these other areas of, I don't, it doesn't have to be this hard and I don't have to put up with this and I don't have to feel so small and so worthless. Like Mm. I was feeling in that particular relationship. So all of that, you know, Uh, just leaning into that desire was, I think what brought me out of it and brought me through it. And then of Mm -hmm. course it led me to other resources (laughs) to help me in a more significant way to expedite the process. Um, but I think that's where it started. And so then of course I met my incredible partner and he had a daughter and, um, I became, you know, a stepmom and, I, to be very frank, I was terrified because I had realized all these issues, all these things I'd been through. And I had these really wonderful socially conscious reasons as to why I should not be a parent. And, and they were legitimate. You know, I really do. Um, I really do feel like I definitely identify with, with a lot of those reasons, but I recognize that I wanted to be a parent. I was just really scared to pass down the stuff. I was scared Mm. of, you know, not, not being good at it. I was scared of, you know, passing down similar experiences that I had had where like, there wasn't a lot of understanding or Mm. what have you. And, um, I, so I was just terrified and I was kind of leaning into these socially conscious reasons to keep myself safe and small and kind of denying myself something that I really wanted in my life. Mm-hmm. And when I shared all these really great reasons and encouraged my partner to be like, you need a better role model for your daughter. What are you doing? I'll help you find a really good match. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he said, you know, because you know what you didn't like as a kid from a parent, you are probably going to be a really great parent. Yeah. And so you know, it took me a while to let that wash over me. And then mm. I stopped dreading it. And then I just made the choice to fully commit to this child in whatever way I could. Mm. Right. 
any, any time and opportunity that I had. And it's been absolutely remarkable. And another really scary moment was five years ago, just so happens roughly five years ago and five years into my step-parenting role, she revealed that she was abused and neglected by mom and stepdad, mm. and which is where she was spending most of her time at that time. Mm. And so that was a horrifying moment, but also a moment of great relief because there had been some concerning things having to do with primarily her schoolwork was, was where we really saw this take mm. effect. Hmm. And at that point she was in middle school. And so in, on the one hand, it was like our worst nightmare coming true. And on the other hand, it was such a relief to finally know and finally have a way to move forward effectively to support her and help her um, yeah. because it was very clear she was struggling, but we didn't know for, I would say, I mean, several years, obviously while it was going on, but especially mm -hmm. when it was all coming to a head the last couple of years, we had no idea and we wouldn't hmm. try and talk to her and just, she was silent. So she didn't say anything. Mm. So at that point, um, my company had restructured at that point I was in healthcare and I was supporting sales and marketing and those two departments, uh, went away. So my job became obsolete. And so I, um, found myself in a position where I was just dreading for some reason, getting another one of those jobs, but I stumbled on a trauma-informed parent coaching program. And within two days I was enrolled and I was off and running and I absolutely loved it. And not only was it enormously beneficial to help me, you know, support my stepdaughter, obviously, but it was even beneficial to further heal some of my own childhood wounds. And then I, you know, found a core coaching program just because I wanted more of that competency. And so, um, I ended up doing that. And then a year after that, I found rapid resolution therapy, which has been absolutely remarkable. And I'm really honored to be a practitioner of that. It's really, it's just amazing. It's a modality that's an alternative to psychotherapy and it's enormously mm. powerful to help people shift and have awesome transformations, um, and basically shift through any negative thoughts or emotions or even actions. Um, in wow. order to really live the life that they want to live and, and just be free and clear. So awesome. That's how, <laughs> wow. That is a full me. circle moment. I mean, that, <laughs> I love using our, our wounds to serve a need that we see where we can actually be informed about what's going on. A lot of people who are coaching people maybe aren't even a step parent, you know, or maybe yeah. aren't even, haven't even been through what they're coaching someone else through. When you've lived that thing, you bring such a different perspective to the table. Um, so tell us a little bit about, you, you said you just had that sense of dread in getting another job. Tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about how, what your job was like in healthcare with sales and marketing and, and kind of, I mean, I know that angsty feeling that <laughs> wanted getting out of that, but tell us about that transition. I know it wouldn't, it wasn't easy. Um, yeah. what, what all went into that for you? Yeah. You know, I think at that point I was working for a large corporation, um, or a subsidiary of a large corporation. And I just felt like it wasn't hands-on enough for me. I mm. had worked in a different company prior to that, um, job. And I felt much more integral, you know, to the actual company. Like I was working directly with the CEO suite and, um, uh, folks, and I was supporting them and I, it was a smaller company and it didn't have that corporate feel. So 
Mm-hmm. For me, that was different. I also was in a very different place in my personal life at that point. I, I think I was just excited that I was able to make a real meaningful contribution. And in this season, I was really looking for something more meaningful where I can have a direct impact. And somehow, you know, I had considered back when I was in college uh, doing psychology or something like that, and it just didn't fully resonate for me. So mm-hmm. when I discovered coaching and particularly parent coaching, I don't know why, but it just it was like a light bulb aha moment of like clouds parting and the sun, you know, this is what I was born to do. Exactly. (laughs) And I'm waking up in almost middle age, discovering this. That's a terrifying, that's terrifying. Did you have, for me, I'm like, did I have a little bit of guilt going, what have I been wasting all this time? Yeah. I was like, you have that too. I definitely was like, how can I, have I never heard of this? And then I reflected and I was like, not to date myself, but to date myself. I was like, this probably didn't exist when I was going to college because, or if it did, you know, it was just in its very like early seedling stages, because let's Mm -hmm. face it, the whole career, you know, landscape has changed so much. And for sure in the last, you know, 15 to 20 years. Um, so (laughs) I just, you know, I, I just had to give myself grace, but I can't tell you how excited in spite of that little bit of fear and like frustration of like, why haven't I, why hasn't this been a thing? I was just so excited to have come across something that really lit me up. And I could just feel like all through my whole body, it resonated. Like this is it, this, this is the thing. So yeah, (laughs) just lots of gratitude. Yeah, I bet. So what did those first days look like? Did you have to, did you pull out a loan? Did you, I mean, I know everybody's worried about like, how am I going to replace my salary when I'm getting this thing going? Yes. Well, I, so in the trauma informed program, a parent coaching program that I did, we learned a lot about different sorts of situations. Um, So uh, obviously, you know, kids who had undergone trauma having to do with abuse, but also, um, foster situations and adoption situations and Mm. autism situations are like Mm -hmm. just, just learning about autism because I'd heard of the term and I sort of knew what it was, but I didn't really know. Mm -hmm. And when I learned about it, I realized, you know, it's fascinating and it is such a, there's so much diversity in situations just with not only with abilities, but even, um, just what, what that looks like in each person. Um, and so I actually really wanted to learn more about what that looks like for parents who are, you know, who are dealing with a child who has autism and, you know, what is the parenting, what is, what is needed of them? Right. And, Mm -hmm. and how are they responding to that? And what is, what kind of a toll is it taking on them? And just what does their day-to-day look like? So uh, I was fortunate. So to support myself, I actually ended up working and applied behavioral analysis, um, and working with kids on the autism spectrum so that I can support them and then in turn support their families and have a better understanding of what their day-to-day looks like and just have a better understanding of that population and the parents' needs around, you know, raising a child on the spectrum. So that was the way that I supported myself. Um, yeah, in the early days while, while building my business. Nice. So I didn't have to take out a loan. Luckily, I just kind of like went for it. Yeah. Yeah. And how long has it been since you went out on your own? Yeah, it's been, so it's been two years and the last a little bit over a year has been focusing on the step parenting and, you know, supporting blended families as well. 
Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about what it's like to work with you. Who are your clients? Are they, is it the whole family, just the step parent? Um, Tell us a little bit about how that works. Yeah. So I have a VIP program and it really is geared to support the step parent in particular because they're coming in during a really potentially exciting time, but a really vulnerable time for the family. They are usually recovering um, at whatever stage from essentially a fracture, right? Because Mm -hmm. there's been some sort of a divorce or separation or a loss of a parent possibly as well. And for kids in particular, that just takes a really long time to bounce back from because Mm -hmm. that is the only family they've ever known. To them, it's not like, oh, it was a partner and it didn't work out. To them, it's like, this is mom and dad. And there's, Mm -hmm. they're biologically wired for that connection and for those bonds. Um, And even with the partner, the adult, who is the parent, um, there's still a lot there because oftentimes they are mourning the loss of the relationship, um, you know, unfulfilled like expectations. Nobody ever gets married expecting to get divorced. (laughs) That's usually something that just happens. And it's, it's very emotional and it's taxing. And then depending on the situation, there can be additional stressors, you know, especially when, when it's a contention, when there's lots of contention and Mm -hmm. conflict. So it's just not easy. And this person is coming in. And on the one hand, the parent of these children is probably excited to move on. And at the same time, there's all these emotional things that they're dealing with. And then now this individual also, in addition to having to build a rapport with, you know, their partner and new relationship and new bond, they also have to build trust and rapport with the kids. And they also have to, you know, learn how to build community with the extended family, including the ex-partner in often cases. So it's tricky and it's a lot. And just coming into a family Oftentimes it's easy to overlook. There is an established culture. There's like nuances of little figures of speech and shorthand for things and a rhythm that's been established, you know, from the Mm -hmm. beginning and things are moving kind of in a flow and this individual is coming in and they don't know any of that and they have Mm -hmm. to pick up on it and learn it. And then also find their place in it all. And it can be, it can be a lot. It can be really challenging at times. It could be overwhelming and lonely. So that's really (laughs) where I come in is, is to help them navigate that. Um, both as far as, you know, navigating their own kind of emotions and and needs and also strengthening, you know, their, their values and their boundaries, as far as what do they want it to look like? And, you know, we work on also getting them aligned with their partner because that can be a thing that happens really, really easily. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it just arises, uh, because it's like, oh, we didn't talk about it. This, oh, by the way, there's a situation we got to deal with it. Oh, and we don't agree. <laughs> Whoops. Um, exactly. Exactly. So we make sure that whatever is feeling good, that that is discussed, that there's, you know, there's cohesion. And also, uh, we, you know, I help them build the trust with their stepchild and, you know, uh, and community with the extended family. And there's also, of course, skills involved as well to all of that and nuance and um, different things that can, you know, one learns after time, uh, but isn't necessarily obvious right away because you're, you know, we're not used to having to consider so many perspectives Mm -hmm. all at once. So um, yeah. 
<laughs> so what are some of those, um, what are some of those tips that you can give a step parent coming into, um, a new situation? I know when I've been married yeah. to my husband for five years now, when I met him, mm-hmm. he had, um, one adult daughter that already had a child. And then the other two were teenagers. Mm-hmm. And my two boys were also young, 13 and about eight. So, mm-hmm. you know, he got two, you know, young men and I got, uh, uh, basically a jury of women, young women that were looking at me going, who's this broad? Like, we're not, a, we're not down for this. She's not mom. She, this is late in life. I ain't trying to be ran by nobody else. So mm-hmm. what are some of the very first steps or things that, that step parents need to be aware of coming into, you know, maybe yes. even just a dating situation? Yes. Um, I would say for sure, you know, go slow right? Like, remember the kids are probably, they will just need you to go a lot slower than Mm -hmm. you and your partner. And things are exciting. You're like, things are, you know, rocking and shaking and moving because you're adults and, you know, you've had other relationships and you're excited because you found somebody that you really care about. And of course you want to move it, you know, at an expedited speed because you're just like, I'm not wasting any more time, but kids need time to adjust and they need you to go slow for exactly the reasons you identified. They can feel threatened. They can kind of question like, who is this coming in and what are my expectations to, mm-hmm. you know, of, of this person? What is, what are her or his expectations of me? Right. Like how is that relationship going to be? Are they just going to come and rule the roost now? There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of concerns for them. So I would say just go slow, take it easy, keep it casual with, with kids. If you are, you know, dating somebody with children and you have an opportunity to meet them and, um, really tune in, right. Because oftentimes we get a sense from, from them, right. Like they'll tell us, they'll tell us either verbally or non-verbally or through facial expressions. <laughs> yeah, get, yes, they will. A vibe. You'll yes. know. <laughs> You'll know exactly what they're comfortable with. And I think it's really important to remember, don't take it personally because it's yeah. not personal. It's not. They're mm-hmm. just dealing with the transition and it's a lot and mm-hmm. they're going to need to take some time with it. And, you know, keeping open lines of communication is really important. And um, I always encourage being direct, you know, as far as keeping those lines of communication open and maybe even introduce like the thing that feels scary and uncomfortable to say, just to, just to remove that pressure from them of having to say it and just say like, Hey, does it ever feel like this? Do you feel weird? Is this weird? Am I, you know, uh, are you uncomfortable with me like being here so often? Or like, are you feeling like you're not getting enough time with mom or dad? You know, just all those, all those things that are very, there's a very good chance that all of that is something that's going through their minds. Mm-hmm. So just removing the pressure and naming the thing. Mm-hmm. And if that's not it, you know, most of the time they'll tell you, or again, they'll communicate to you in some way. Um, you'll be able to decipher it. And if you're not comfortable having that conversation, encouraging your partner to have the conversation, you know, mm-hmm. to do it one-on-one, because maybe they'll get a little bit more of the story because they're the primary, you know, bio parent and they mm-hmm. have a much longer established relationship with those kids. Yeah. I'm interested to know your take. I remember hearing, um, when I, after my divorce and was starting to think about thinking about dating, I will never forget. And I, here I am dating myself. I remember hearing Dr. Laura 
Do you remember her, the radio show, Dr. Laura? Okay. No. She was this call-in radio show. Um, and she was like a therapist and she was a mom of several kids and all of this stuff. She was a single mom, I believe. Um, and she had a very hard and fast rule. Like parents don't need to be dating. Parents with children don't need to be dating. You should be focused on your children. Um, and I thought, I mean, now this has been quite a long time ago, uh, but I thought, I don't know. I think there, I think there's something in between. I don't know that necessarily yeah. the parent needs to put their life completely on hold. Right. Um, and their happiness doesn't have to be completely tied just to their children because then what children right. are a finite project, whether we want to believe it or not, I'm always going to be a mother, but these kids are on their way out the door. Our youngest is 14. They're not going to need me in the same way they do forever. So what is your yes. take on that? And, and kind of I... when is the right time if there ever yes. is. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think what's so important, so often, you know, we have this fear as parents, we want to protect our babies from absolutely any sort of like pain and discomfort. <laughs> we just want to like cushion the whole world with, I don't know, like mats and cotton balls <laughs> and we just can't, right? That's just mm -mm. not realistic. And the other thing is if there's a part of you, you're locking away, they're going to feel it. They're going to know mm -hmm. it. They're going to sense mm -hmm. that you are not your whole self and mm -hmm. they're going to feel that there's like an emptiness or a longing or whatever it is. And they're most likely going to start blaming themselves for it. And mm. there's a strong possibility of you developing resentment, even though they didn't do it right. Like it's yeah. your choice, but if you keep going, like you're locking yourself away, you're compartmentalizing, mm. that isn't the best way. And how can we yeah. hope to have healthy kids who are able to make difficult decisions and be vulnerable if we aren't willing to be vulnerable ourselves and be open with them and saying, Hey, this is hard, but you know, here's, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm feeling. Let's talk about it. Right. Like I think if anything, actually in a, yes, for sure, there has to be boundaries, especially with little kids, right. We never want to mm -hmm. feel like we're putting too much adult stuff and decision-making on their shoulders because that can be overwhelming to them. And it definitely rocks their sense of security, but where possible to introduce in little simple ways, the conversation of, Hey, like, you know, your dad and I, or, you know, your mom and I are not getting back together. Um, you know, I, how would you feel about me dating sometime? You know, just, it can be a casual conversation. It doesn't have to be this eminent threat or this eminent thing that's like happening tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You yeah. can start to introduce and, you know, and also these things coming around to change or different ideas, it doesn't happen overnight often. So knowing that there's going to be multiple touch points and creating space for these conversations to explore and kind of think on it and sort of, you know, sleep on it a little and re, you know, reintroduce the conversation and, and over time things start to unlock. And at the very least, you know, exactly where your child is at and you know, their concerns and you're able to help them navigate that and, mm -hmm. or identify supports for how they can navigate through that. Right. And mm -hmm. I mean, really a part of it too, one could say is working on flexibility, right? Because mm -hmm. like, yes, difficult things will happen or things you're not necessarily jumping on board with, but nonetheless, that's life. And there's going to be those moments. So how can you be flexible to coming around? How can you make it okay for yourself? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, uh, I can't agree with you more about the sheltering. Like uh, we do, we want to protect our kids, but it's not doing them any favors. It's not yeah. serving them. They have to see 
relationships fail. Not everything works out. And this is how we navigate that healthily because every relationship that child has is not going to work out. Not to say they're going to end up in divorce like we did, but just relationships in general, it's not going to work out. We have to teach our kids how to fail and show our kids that we fail and how we can pivot from that failure and learn from it. Yes. And that we can be okay, especially when we stick together, right? Like that we're not alone. So like your child, they're not alone going through this transition. You're there with them and, and vice versa that like, you're grateful for their support. Not to, mm-hmm. again, not to say to lean on them too much because adults still need to be able to talk to adults and not, not just, you know, um, think that it's okay to discuss everything with our child, but introducing right. different <laughs> ideas to their child and even just food for thought, like the little nuggets of like, let's talk about this. How does this feel? What do you think about this? And it's okay if you don't want to talk about it right now, but you know, let me know and, and we'll come back to it. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like what feels good? What doesn't? What about communication with the ex partner? Yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously that can look in like a number of different things. Of course, ideally you can co-parent together and be able to be, you know, not only civil, but, you know, supporting the kids and being able to be at functions together. But it really depends on the specific situation. If you're noticing that every little thing is is exploding into a toxic situation that's causing more frustration and more anger and negativity, then maybe you dial that back a little bit. Um, and maybe you need to, you know, it, it really just depends on the situation. But for example, if you know, just being in their presence is difficult, then maybe you kind of stagger that time a little bit, especially depending on how long it has been, right? Like maybe right after a breakup, it's particularly difficult and you need to take a little bit of space, but then it gets easier. And, um, you know, maybe you try your best and you're like, okay, that I can feel myself upticking. I just need to go find a bathroom and like throw some cold water on my face and just take five, you know, and then I can, you know, come back or, you know, maybe the best thing to do, for example, if it's a handoff situation and you're like, I don't know, you decided to go to a park together or do something together and you're like, okay, I really, really can't handle it. You need to, you know, possibly excuse yourself and just say, you know, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to let you have your time with your mom or your dad and, you know, just gracefully exit. Um, it really, you know, it really depends because there's just so many different scenarios and situations. And, uh, but yeah. I think the best thing we can do is really tune into our needs and be super cognizant of what is needed. What is happening? Is there a pattern developing here? And Mm -hmm. how would it be best to resolve that? I've heard of people communicating exclusively through text messages because it just, you know, it keeps things more neutral. There isn't like a tone or something like that. And they, um, I've also heard, you know, taking basically a business approach to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to, you know, because I think in romantic relationships, it's so easy to get wrapped up and everything becomes, you know, more involved. Everything becomes more kind of not entangled, but it, it just gets more emotional. It gets more personal. And when you're able to take a step back and say, okay, if this was a client, how would I respond to them? How mm-hmm. would I handle it that way? And usually it's easier to remove emotions from that situation and yeah. just see, okay, what is my goal here? What would be, make the most sense to yeah. not make things worse? 
Well, as the parent or the divorcee, when we're in the middle of it, everything is so magnified. It's like being a 13 year old kid whose boyfriend broke up with him. Like that's the biggest thing in the world to us. Well, as adults, we know that's a very, very tiny thing, but I love what you said about taking that, you know, what would I do in a client situation or what would a rational, reasonable person think about this situation? Exactly. Am I being rational and reasonable? Probably not. Right. <laughs> Why is right. this so magnified? Because it's so personal and it's so close. Exactly. Yeah. And even, you know, sometimes just taking a little time to respond, mm-hmm. you know, you're upset at wh- whatever you just saw come through, like a request, or maybe you heard a voicemail or a text message, just take some time, just breathe and <laughs> just give yourself that moment because you probably won't be, excuse me, you probably won't be as angry about it if you just take five minutes or you know, 10 or what have you. And, and using that time intentionally, like go take a walk or go sit outside and just breathe, you know, um, or take a walk, taking a walk is everything for me. Exactly. Yeah. Put on, put on a great song that you love that just calms you down or puts you in a good mood. Or, you know, like I said, I don't know, take a shower, you know, it could, it could look like different things for different people. Here's something that might make uh, some some step parents or divorcees uncomfortable. How about taking personal responsibility for what happened? You know, that was something I had to really face in my own divorce. Everyone looking from the outside in would have said that was absolutely no, you're not your fault in any way, shape or form. My my ex-husband was gay. And after 20 years together and 10 years of marriage and two children, that was a very difficult situation to navigate for me. However, mm-hmm. I had responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody wrecks us and rear ends us in our car. It might not be our fault, but we have yeah. a responsibility in it. We've got to call our insurance agent. We're going to have to get right. the repairs done. We have to get a rental vehicle. We got to get ourselves from, you know, get the tow truck. We have a responsibility. Yeah. So mm-hmm. looking, being that bigger person and being able to get along with the ex spouse for the sake of the children. I absolutely have zero tolerance for people who will not, who are not willing to do that. I have seen so many toxic situations with the parents fighting and this poor child stuck in the middle. And you're going, really, you can't take your bit of responsibility. We all have responsibility somewhere. And whether we think it serves the other spouse or not, it's going to serve that child in some way, positive or negative. So we get to choose that. Yeah, I agree with you. I think where it gets really tricky though, is I do believe that everybody truly is doing their very best that they can at any given moment. Mm -hmm. And I think what that, what you're, what you're talking about, and I've also seen it is I think that that is the fallout of, you know, not fully either identifying or tending to your own needs, Mm -hmm. you know, and either not getting the support that you need, you know, because it is enormous. I mean, it is devastating to go through a divorce. It is completely mm-hmm. life altering and mm-hmm. it's awful on every, oh, in yeah. every possible way. Mm-hmm. So it's completely understandable that, but because there's the responsibility, like you said, of being a parent and having a job and moving on and all of that just adds up. And it's so easy as a culture. I think we tend to kind of just overlook our own needs and like, nope, I got to put one foot in front of the other and just keep Mm -hmm. marching through and keeping all these balls in the air. And I think that's where that can really possibly fall apart and create Mm -hmm. a lot more issues. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the number one key is like, even if you don't think you need it, just get yourself supports anyway, because you probably need it more than you realize you just haven't even taken a breath. Right. To recognize what it is you need and just how badly you need it. 
Yeah. It was years before I came to that, you know, the realization that, okay, yeah, yeah, I do have a responsibility in this. And I quit playing that victim role, but it, what it took was seeking support, seeking that, you know, that outside opinion that could look at me and truly say, here's what the real situation, here's what a rational person would think. Yeah. (laughs) You know, what you are feeling right now, but you know, here's the next rational action step you can take to make yourself better. And therefore your whole situation better. Yeah. And I think that's really the value of getting, you know, a coach or a therapist or whoever you identified as is necessary support for you Mm -hmm. in that, in, you know, wherever you're at is that they are a guide. They can help you when you are like, I, I, everything is coming at me all at once. I can't even see through it straight. Everything's mm-hmm. just a blur with all yes. the needs and expectations. They yes. can help you identify that next step, that one thing, and they can help you prioritize, you know, where to put your energy when, because you only have so much and there's only mm-hmm. so many hours in the day to do all the things. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 People are looking for an answer and looking for a hero and it can't always be ourselves. We got to seek out some help sometimes. Um, Speaking of being a guide, you have a guide on your website to resolve the five most common step parenting challenges in five days. (laughs) You want to tell us a little bit about that guide? Yeah, it's, you know, it just touches on all the pillars that I mentioned and it gives you one little thing you can do to move the ball forward in in those directions and you know to even just to identify you know what is going on for you at any given moment like what do you need just taking some distance and and taking some time to yourself and there's just some some good little very actionable things <laughs> um to put into to put into use right away that will be really helpful just to to start to alleviate you know, the tension and the pressure and the conflict and, you know, yeah. So I think that's, that's really. <laughs> so would this be a good guide for someone who maybe isn't even quite in that step-parent role yet? Maybe someone who's thinking about dating someone with kids, would this be something that they could access and maybe preemptively prepare yes. for this situation that's forthcoming? Yeah. You know, I, I so love, I wish I'd known that. some things before. <laughs> I love that you said that. Absolutely. And the other good thing is that it puts them on my email list and I will have some trainings coming up totally for free and actually specifically geared towards folks who are just contemplating dating again. So absolutely. I look at step parents. um, I know some people look at it very rigidly and it's like, you have to be married. I think anyone dating anyone with kids is a step parent because you're in that position. You are in these children's lives and you mm-hmm. are up against the same kinds of things that a, you know, a legal step parent would be up against. So in my opinion, you know, and I also think these days people are not rushing to the altar as quickly as they once did. Right. And the reality yeah. is that I'm seeing out there, there are people who are, you know, basically a step parent, but it's, it's for years before the, if not, they might just choose not to get married at all, especially, mm-hmm. you know, given and again, it kind of makes sense. You know, somebody's already had uh, an experience of getting divorced and going through all of that. You know, it's it's not it's not um, as easy to sort of buck up and be like, yeah, I'm going to try this again and do it, do all of this again. Yeah, and yeah. Like, like I am happens. never doing that again. I know I said right. that many, many times. I'm never right. doing that again. Right. Here I am. It's right. Very. <laughs> Yeah, it takes a while. It takes a while to come around. So for sure. Yeah, I believe that 
better, you know, the best defense is a great offense. So I agree with you. I think getting the information and support, or at least identifying the support that is available is, Mm -hmm. you know, is excellent. And I also produce a podcast with actionable tips that I usually share also weekly. So they can get some really great um, information with even more things that they can put into action for themselves and, you know, to, to move forward in their step parenting journey. Awesome. Well, I know we're running short on time already. This has gone by so fast. Um, I know that you said you have a VIP group coaching is it's a group coaching, but do you also work one-on-one individually? Yeah. So, um, well, actually the VIP program is one-on-one Oh, okay. and that is, like I said, geared primarily towards step parents. However, I am a rapid resolution practitioner and I offer those sessions to, you know, really anybody. So that could be even to a partner and any extent, you know, extended family member who is affected by this or is having a difficult mm-hmm. time, you know, adjusting for whatever reason. Okay. And so even, maybe like the parents, like my mother who was yeah, struggling with the absolutely. situation or, okay. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, really, really anybody in, in that mm-hmm. circle. And mm-hmm. even to the children, the one caveat is it, the child has to be the one to identify um, that there's something that they would like to to be different that they're struggling with and Mm -hmm. that they would like that to be a change. So certainly I, you know, speak to the, um, guardian or parent, but Mm -hmm. in addition, I request to speak to the child to verify that, you know, it really is their initiative. And Mm -hmm. because in order to have success, right, like they have to be the one driving this, um, because it's, it's just not the kind of thing that somebody can be forced into. <laughs> no, for sure not. Oh no, no. And yeah, I remember my kids saying one time during the therapy after the divorce, my son, my older son says, if that woman asked me how that may, how something makes me feel one more time. <laughs> so I was like, okay, it's yeah. time to maybe take a different approach with the- Yes. Yes. Yeah. He didn't want any part of it. So yeah. well, tell the listeners where they can get in contact with you. If they have, you know, if they are a step parent or thinking about dating, there's some way they, they think you may be able to serve them. Where's the best place to connect with you? Yeah. So as you mentioned, you know, my website for the freebie is, is an excellent way, which is at synergistic forward slash subscribe. Um, but also I hang out on LinkedIn. Um, and that's okay. at Synergistic Step Parenting and also on Facebook and that's at Maria Natapov. So I would, yeah, I would, I'm always happy to, you know, chat and DMs um, or get an email if there's any questions. So, yeah. And uh, they do not have to be, I'm assuming you can work with anybody from anywhere. Yes, absolutely. Zoom. Yes, exactly. Yep. Awesome. Um, yeah, via Zoom and via phone calls as well, because sometimes Zoom fatigue is real and that can be <laughs> challenging for folks. And I sure. do offer free assessment calls, which is really a great way to identify not only, you know, whether we're a good fit, but really just to get a little more clarity on where you're at in your step parenting journey, what's working, what's not working, and just to get some very clear next step action items of how to move forward um, to create more ease and joy and peace. Nice. Well, I think that's something we can all agree. We all need whether step parent or otherwise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being our guest. Everybody go over to synergisticstepparenting.com, claim that free resource, get that guide and, and start, um, start discovering how you might be a better step parent or how you may be a step parent one day. Yes. Thank you so much, Amy. I appreciate your time. It's been great thank to chat so with much, you. Thank you so much, Maria. Thanks for being my guest. And thank you for being a queen that leads all the way from <laughs> Moscow. 